Father God, thank you so much. Thank you for that time of worship, that time to reflect and consider who you are and who you have made us. God, we praise you for that, and I pray that we would be thankful this morning because we are your children, and you have given us the same inheritance that you have given to your Son, Jesus Christ, and you have invited us to come. And so I pray this morning that you would transform our minds, transform our hearts, and Holy Spirit, you would transform our lives. That we would continue to draw near to you. That we would come into your presence. And that we would finish this race with joy. Help us to do that together, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so last week we spent some time talking about uh, our destination, uh, the finish, this inheritance that we have as we continue and as we draw near to God in this life of faith. And our priority as we do that, as we continue through this life of faith, is not temporary, it's not physical, it's, it's not earthly, right? It's not a possession, it's not a relationship, it's not an experience or a feeling, but it's eternal, it's spiritual. It's heavenly. It's this inheritance that God has promised us through a son. And I confess that even as we've walked through Hebrews, that our perspective has been a little off. Not necessarily wrong, but not, not to scale. We weren't seeing this life in comparison to this inheritance with the right measurements, with the right perspective. And I changed our graph here, right, that used to begin this life of faith where it begins and it used to end here and then there was the inheritance in the top corner. Now the life of faith begins in the same way, but instead of life being throughout and being the main focus, as we look at the scriptures, life is temporary. Life is limited. Life is this little tiny squiggle, if we look at it in the perspective of our inheritance and what's promised. And so we want to see that inheritance correctly. But in that inheritance, we will enter into the full presence of God. The full presence of God. And we can draw near because Jesus is there. We can draw near because He is a mediator between us and God that is there in that inheritance, at the finish, in that destination. And then we realize that this inheritance that we have is the same inheritance that Jesus has. That we are the church of the firstborn. Jesus' place is our place. There with the Father at the right hand 
of the King on high. That's where we are headed. That's where we are drawing near to. And so our Heavenly Father has spoken. Amen? And He's promised to us, as we've talked about His children, our Heavenly Father has spoken to us as children through His Son. Right? He's spoken through His Son, Jesus. And that's the Gospel. God has spoken to us through the Gospel, through the person, through the work, and through the salvation or this inheritance that we have through Jesus. I want you to turn to the person next to you. And I want you to tell them, God has spoken to you. Both sides, both sides. Now I want you to turn back to that person and say, so listen up. Feels good to tell them what to do, right? (laughs) But God has told us what to do as His children, as a father gives direction to His children. And our our job, our role, is to respond to His words. That we would hear them, that we would listen, and that we would respond. And this passage, as we finish chapter 12, is particularly warning us about refusing those words. If we don't listen, and we don't respond in the direction or in the way that God has is asking us. And so we're going to look at it, and I want you to consider this, this idea of refusing, not listening to. And I want us first to recognize refusing in our lives. Then we're going to consider the reality of refusing. What actually occurs when we refuse? What's the reality if we refuse these words, this gospel? And then lastly, what's the reverse of refusing? If we are not to refuse these words, then what's the opposite? What's the reverse of refusing? Alright, so back to verse 25. We left off there last week. We're going to continue there this week. The very first part is we try and recognize this refusing in our lives. It says, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. Do not resist. Do not avoid do not excuse do not decline these words this message that God has spoken through Jesus and I think we need a clear picture of refusing because in my mind refusing is very clear Very, I no you will not I will not I refuse to right when you tell your child to do something like I will not go I will not go to 
my room. I will not go in there. Okay, when I say the word refuse, that's what I think. And that's refusing. But I think there's something here more subtle that we should understand about our own lives and what it would look like that we could actually recognize when we refuse these words that have been spoken to us. And so I think we need a picture. I think we need a story as kids to better understand what this looks like. Jesus told a story to explain this. It's the parable of the great banquet. It's in Luke 14. I just want to read a, a little part of it. Verse 16 through the first part of verse 18. And we're going to see what this looks like to refuse. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. Now here comes the refusing. But they all alike began to make excuses. Same word. That doesn't sound so forceful, does it? But they all made excuses of why they wouldn't come. Because of, and as you read in the story further, it's because of this prioritization of these temporary, physical, earthly things that they had to attend to. And even though the master, in this case God, had sent the service, a servant, in this case Jesus, with an invitation, the gospel, for others to come, draw near, and join him at his table, this fullness of his presence, this inheritance that they could have. They made excuses. It wasn't a flat-out refusal. But, well, I've got this to do and that to do and this to take care of. And so it's too much for me to actually come, to draw near, to respond to these words, this invitation that's been spoken. And all these other things are competing for my time and competing for my heart and competing for my priority. What are the excuses in your life? from coming from drawing near from responding to these words and you're like but I responded back when I was this age and I, I accepted Jesus Christ well he's still talking and he's still telling you to come and he's still telling you to draw near as you continue through this life of faith so you have to continue to listen to his words and respond and not refuse not make excuses but continue and draw near through this life of faith. They had to come to the master's table. But they didn't follow through. 
del dueño. So I want us to recognize that. To recognize refusing in our lives. Refusing to draw near. Refusing to move closer to God. Because the result is serious. The reality of refusing. Continue in verse 25. It says, If they did not escape when they refused Him who warned them on earth, how much less will we how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? In the past, there was not opportunity for escape. And now, in our situation, for us, there is even less opportunity. Not a possibility. What are the chances? There are no chances. If we do not respond, if we do not listen, but if we refuse, God's words. And I looked at this word escape. And I read every passage where it talks about and uses the same word, the same idea about escape throughout the scriptures. And it communicates this fleeing from some form of harm, some sort of punishment, some sort of imprisonment, some type of destruction. And it's the same word here. It's the same meaning here. That that we have less opportunity to escape if we turn away to these words, this gospel that has been spoken, and we refuse to listen. Our opportunity to escape is less now than it was then. It's not existent. It explains it further. Verse 26 and 27. At that time, in the past, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. So in the past, right? We're still comparing past and present, past and present. In the past, God spoke and His voice, it shook the earth. The earth quaked at His voice. And it's saying in the future, He will speak again, He will speak once more, and the heavens and the earth will quake. Not just the earth, but the heavens and the earth. Now just for a moment, I want you to think about that. I want you to think about what the author is saying. How did God create in the beginning? Genesis 1. How did He create? 
He spoke, right? He, he used his voice, he used these words, and the creation came into being. And then he created what? Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay? He spoke, and the heavens and the earth came into being. And now his voice will shake, and all of creation, not just the earth, but the heavens and the earth, what God created, every created thing, will experience this shaking. Okay? This again is the seriousness of refusing, right? This is the reality of not listening. And there's two responses. One, there's the removing of what can be shaken or there's this remaining of what can't be shaken. So I want us to see this. I want us to consider this first. Uh, what will be shaken and therefore removed? What does it say in the passage? What does it say right there? What's going to be shaken and removed? The created things. Fragile things. Earthly things. Physical things. Material things. Un they are unstable and they will be removed when God shakes the heavens and the earth. Everybody with me? That's what will be removed. Now, there will be other things that will, will remain that can't be shaken, so what is it that will remain? The spiritual. The immaterial. The things that are stable. But what's referred to here? What, what are these spiritual, immaterial, stable things? What does it refer to in this passage? Look right at the beginning of verse 28 as it continues on. It says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So this kingdom that cannot be shaken will remain. The heavens and the earth, what has been created, will be removed. The kingdom that has come, the kingdom that is coming now, and the kingdom that will fully come, this reign of Jesus Christ that the gospel communicates and speaks of, that God has spoken to us through His Son, that's what will remain. It cannot be shaken. As you continue this life, you'll be shaken. All of us will be shaken. The question to ask is, will we be removed? Or will we remain? 
I don't see any other question here. The, the, the author is moving to this point. And he's explained the past, and he's explained the present, he's explained how God shook the earth in the past, and now he shakes the heavens and the earth, and we are a part of the heavens and the earth. We are a part of God's creation, and we will be shaken as well. And will we be removed, or will we remain? And it goes back to do you refuse his words? What are you holding on to? What is it that you're prioritizing? And I want to ask you, is it stable? Or is it unstable? And I think we, again, need a picture of that. So you guys bear with me. I'm going to pull all my things out. Now, you remember when I asked you about the different relationships, possessions, experiences or feelings. What was that? that? That one thing that if I just had that now in this life, then life would be good. But I'm striving for that. I'm holding on to that. I'm prioritizing that thing. If I just had it, then life would be good. So I took those things and I put them in these ornaments. So I've got your little stickies rolled up and I put them in these glass, fragile, Christmas ornaments. If I could just have this. This is your Christmas list, right? The thing you wanted. The one thing you wanted. I'm going to drop all of these things into this box. All these material, physical, earthly things that you are tempted to hold on to. And there's one in here, this rock, this stone, represents you. And it is holding on to this thing. When I came to California, I found out about this putty. It's called Quake Hold. And you put this on items that you don't want to be shaken when the earthquake comes. And it holds them. It, it makes them stable. And I was excited. This is the first thing I bought when I came to California. And I started putting Quake Hold on everything in my house. I put it on every corner of every picture. And eight years later, there's just a couple of little pieces of putty now still in my house. But you've taken your life and you have held on to, tried to stabilize this one thing that you desire and that you have, but you guys can tell this is glass, this is a glass ornament, it is fragile. So I've got my box and I've got fragile tape. It says fragile, handle with care. One second, I want to make sure this 
No one misses this, that everyone handles it appropriately. And everything is taken care of. All of those things. All of those relationships. All of those possessions and those experiences and those feelings. Protecting them. It's fragile. Handle with care. But God has said, right here in Hebrews 12, there will come a time when we will be shaken. All of creation. You think it'll be more than that? I'm pretty sure. What happened to all those things? That's a mess. No one come up front. (laughs) (laughs) It's destruction, right? But hold on, hold on, hold on. Here you guys are. Ah, you lost what you were holding on to. It's destroyed as well. And here you are, left in this place of destruction, the, the creation. It says later, that will be removed. And this is a flaming hot Cheetos box. Because our God is a consuming fire, okay? I had to get permission to tell a dad joke. But all those things will be removed. They've been destroyed. Now, that's if we refuse. But this stone is the cornerstone. This is Jesus. And if we fix our life to Him and we hold on to Jesus, His words, the gospel that has been spoken, and we prioritize Him and we focus on Him and we continue with Him, then I know, I gotta tape the bottom. Thank y'all for your help. Now we're not holding on to that thing, but we're holding on to Jesus. We're still gonna be shaken. Okay, all of creation is gonna be shaken. But, when that's over, everything is still destroyed. All those material things are removed. 
But here we are, holding on to Jesus. And he's going to remain. If we listen. If we not refuse these words. But, as you look at the last part, if we actually receive his words. It's that simple. We've been offered a kingdom that will remain. That kingdom is our inheritance. It will remain. That is what we are to hold on to. That is what we are to prioritize as we continue through this life. So that we would not be removed. Instead of refusing his words, instead of it literally says turning from him, we would turn towards him and receive that and hold on to Jesus as we draw near to him. We reverse our direction and we would draw near to his throne so that we could remain in his kingdom with his kingdom. Back to verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us let us be thankful and worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And you might be thinking, and as I read this first, and it just sounds like a fear tactic of a, of a parent making these threats. But this is a reality check. It's what's clearly being communicated that he will shake all of creation, including us. But we have an escape. If we receive these words, if we receive Jesus, if we receive the words that have been spoken to us, the person and the work and this inheritance, this salvation that Jesus promises us, we have an escape. If we listen and if we draw near. It says there we are receiving. We are receiving. There's confidence there. It's not, I hope we receive, and not some of you will receive. No, we as a church are going to receive this. We have listened to these words, we'll continue to listen to these words, and we will receive this. The author is confident there as he speaks to the church, as he speaks to those who are following Jesus Christ. We will receive this. Fear comes from uncertainty, but this is certain. If we hold on to Jesus, there will be an escape. And after the heavens and the earth has been shaken, and we hold on to Jesus, there will be a new heaven and there will be a new earth. And Jesus will reign in that place. And we will be in the full presence of God. So I want us just to respond.
I want us to consider this inheritance, this kingdom that's been offered to us. I don't want you to listen to my words. I want you to think about the words that God has spoken here. I want you to think about the words that He's spoken through His Son, Jesus Christ. And how those words speak forgiveness. How those words speak invitation. And those words speak of an inheritance that we can share as sons and daughters of the King with Jesus. That we have this inheritance, this firstborn inheritance. So I want you to take a moment. I want you to close your eyes. Whatever you need to do to focus, to, to consider this. And I want you to consider... Have I received these words or have I refused them? And not just in the past, but am I receiving them now or am I refusing them now? I want you to consider if you are thankful. Think about if you are grateful for this inheritance that's been promised by our Father in Heaven. In this moment, in this life, are you thankful for it? Are you grateful for it? Consider that. Considering that inheritance, now ask yourself a question. Do I have a reverence and an awe for this amazing Father that has spoken to me? That I've heard His voice through His Son, Jesus Christ. Do I have a reverence and an awe? Am I overwhelmed that I get to be a part of His family and share His inheritance? Am I in awe of that? If you don't have a reverence in all, ask God for it. Ask for it now. Ask for the Holy Spirit to give you a reverence and an awe for His Father in Heaven. In the middle of this life, in the middle of this struggle, in the middle of your difficulty, you would have a reverence and an awe for this Father. And if you have it, then spend a moment now in reverence and in awe of a Father that would give you this inheritance, this incredible, this eternal, unlimited inheritance.
And finally, examine your life and the application. Not what you think, not what you feel, but the actual response to these words in your life. Are you actually drawing near to God? Are you drawing near to Him with your mind, with your heart, and with your life, worshiping Him, serving Him, drawing near to Him? Are you doing that in your life and are we doing that together as a body? Father God, I pray that you would help us to recognize when we are tempted to or when we are refusing. If, if I've been in that place and I have just refused and refused and refused and I have never received your words or I, I, I've received them but I'm continuing now but, but I don't want to continue to listen to your words to the gospel, to the person and the work of Jesus Christ help us Lord, please Holy Spirit when we are refusing help us to recognize that that we would not be able to turn away from that, that we would speak that into each other's lives, that you would give us a revelation of when we are refusing, and that you would change our hearts, that you would transform our lives, and that we would be ready and willing to continue by receiving. Because you've invited us to come, to draw near to you, and there is an inheritance awaiting for us. Let us not lose sight of that. Let us not prioritize something else above that. But that we would keep a right perspective about the reality of this life and what you promise to come. That this creation and the heavens and the earth will be shaken, but we can hold on to you and there will be an escape. And that is not a threat from a parent, but it is a promise from a loving Father who has provided a way for us to continue, a way for us to finish, a way for us to inherit what He has promised. And so we thank you. God, I pray that you would make us grateful for Jesus Christ. You'd make us grateful that you came and that you walked amongst us and that you went to the cross in our place and that you paid our debt and now we have this place and we can draw near to the throne of grace, to your presence, to your full presence, not just part, not just a little bit, but your full presence. That that's what you have promised us, so let that overwhelm us, that we would be in awe 
God, I pray that you would move in this body and we would wake us up and that we would be in awe of you, Father. What a good, good Father you are, how you have loved us and how you provided for us and you are calling us to come home. May we not turn away from your words, but may we receive them and draw near to you. God, that we would draw near to you as a body and continue until the end. God, do that. Do that in us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.